morning, everybody. Glad to see you all today. My name is Alex. I'm the, the pastor here at Ridgeview. And uh, it's so good to, to be with all of you today. I'm not going to lie. I can get into like the post-Christmas funk. And so I've been thinking today, it's twice crossed my mind, like when can I get home and get in like my comfy pants? Um, I don't know why I shared that. I just wanted to be real. That's a little bit of what I'm, I'm dealing with. Uh, so I tend to get in these like disappointments. I'm, I'm like Elf. I just am so excited. And then when Christmas is over, I'm just like, eh, should I get out of bed? You know, should I? And the answer is yes, always get out of bed. Um, and so I want to just kind of continue a series that we started um, actually a month ago. And normally we don't do this. Usually we do like a message series where we speak for three to four to five to six weeks on the same topic. But because of Christmas, I started something on November, I think it was 26th, and I took a break for Christmas. And now we're going back to this series called Kairos. And I want to kind of recontinue that. We did part one back in November, and now we're going to do part two today and then part three next week. Uh, the reason I'm excited about this series and part of why I'm motivated is despite those feelings that I have and probably you have after Christmas, as you like look back, as you look ahead, there's a lot of times when you do that, a mixed emotions, like we're, we're a mixed bag. Uh, there's some things that we're encouraged by, there's things that we've been happy about, hopeful for as we look to the new year. But there's also things that maybe we're discouraged about. Maybe we wish we were further along. There's also some things that maybe this past year was a really hard year. And we find ourselves in this situation where we look back and there's just, oh, there's maybe some regret, maybe some disappointment. And as we look ahead to 2020, sometimes the older you get, it's like, what, what is this new year going to bring? You don't really know what to expect or there are some things that you know are coming and that just can like overwhelm us. And so what I hope to do today is despite the mixed emotions that we feel, and feelings are very strong, but just because you have a feeling or just because you have an emotion doesn't mean that you let that guide you, okay? Uh, I have many feelings and many emotions every day of my life. And if I were to, to follow them, I would be like this roller coaster corkscrew thing that was just going nuts. Because our emotions change and they drift and they're up and then they're down but we live in a time now where it, we all think, like, if I have a feeling, I have to follow it because I had this feeling. Or if I had a thought, it must be true because I had this thought. What you find is you always, as you decide to follow Christ, as you put him in the center of your life, you're always having to filter your emotions, filtering your thoughts through the truth and the reality of how God says it is. And that's a battle because there's many things that go in our heads and between our ears that can just lead us off track. And so today, I want to kind of pull us back to what is it that God has for us in our life and this great adventure that, that we're on. And so if you're a Christ follower, uh, this is kind of a, a message to give you, like, this is where you need to just keep your, your focus. This is like a message on, on focus. Now, if you're not yet a follower of Christ, this will give you a picture of what is this journey that you would embark on if you decided to follow him? Like, what does that mean to follow Jesus. And so I hope this gives you kind of a, a sense of that life that you could have as you make Jesus the center of your life. And so wherever you are, I hope this is practical. Now, back to this word kairos. Um, how many of you used this in a sentence this last week? Probably none of us. Um, I did use it in an email, but that was to invite you to this message. Okay. Uh, kairos is a Greek word found in the scripture that defines time. Most of the time 
we define time by chronos, chronological. Like what time is it? What time will church be done? What time do I have to get up tomorrow for work? What time, you know, time, time, it's always the time of the clock. Minutes turn into hours, hours turn into days, days turn into weeks, weeks and months, so on and so forth. This time of year, we're really set on chronological time because the year ends and the new year starts. For me, I'm, I'm wanting to eat healthy in the new year. What that means for 2019 is I can eat whatever I want. Any of you guys, like you, you with me on that? Like you know you should be eating healthy, but you're not going to do it now because of time. Chronologically, why? I've blown it. Just keep that train going. 2020, I'll get reset. Any of you guys relate to that? There's things we need to do, but chronologically, it doesn't fit within time. Well, kairos is a different type of time. It's actually time that's not seconds, minutes, months, days. Kairos is opportunity, a season of time. Now, it may make up some chronological space, but it's a season of opportunity that God gives. It's here, and then it's gone. And in the Bible, we're told to make the most of our time, our kairos Make the most of the seasons that we have. Opportunity is here, and then it's gone. And in Scripture, if you follow Christ, your role is you seize that. You buy up that opportunity, because if you don't, it's no longer here. And so Kairos is actually the way that God tells time. He's not so concerned with minutes and chronological time. He's concerned with opportunities. And he gives you opportunities. And he gives me opportunities, and he gives us opportunities as a church. And what God does, he's not waiting to see what did you do on Sunday. He's saying, what did you do with the opportunity that I gave you? What did you do with the kairos? And so in this series, we're looking at how to make the most of the opportunities that we have individually, each of you in your life with what you face, what you're dealing with, and then seasons of opportunity that we have as a church. So this is individual kairos and community. You hear that? Siri doesn't understand. Does that ever do that to you? Like, it just goes off? Sorry, guys, you know? Just in my own little world up here. Season, you know, series wanting to get in on this. but So there's a, a picture here that kind of defines this. Hopefully it makes sense. But this is chronological time, right? So it's what time is it? And then Kairos is this. We're in this. There's like right there, opportunity. 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 Now, time is going on. But it's those red marks that kind of represent that kairos. Something's happening. God is doing something. He's doing something with you. He wants to do something through you. And so I want to just summarize my sense of our kairos as a church. And if, if you're, like this is your first time, um, we're a, a new church. And there'll be a time, a kairos, when we can no longer say that we're new. But we still are a relatively new church. Our grand opening was... February of 2018, so we're a couple months away from when we launched weekly as a church. So we're relatively new. As a new church, we have a unique kairos that other churches don't have. We're new to the community. People want to be a part of something new. Something new that wasn't there before, and now it is. People want to know what that's about, so there's a unique opportunity to that. There's also opportunity for us as a church to do things for the first time. For us to decide what we want to do, like things that we've never done before because we're new. That's all part of our, our kairos. And I just want to kind of summarize my sense of our kairos and season as a church. This is general, and then I want to get specific. This is the first one. And this is true, I believe, of every church that is following God's word. And this is it. The first thing is God is with us. 
Now, I don't say that lightly, but that is one of the most important seasons of time that you can realize is that God is with you. That's who God is. God is personal. He's not distant. He's not far off. He's not apathetic. God is involved. And he's with us as a church. And if you follow him, he is with you. He's watching over you. He's protecting you. The reason that's important is that is actually always true. But if you forget that, that interacts and that impacts the way that you view your time. If you don't think God's with you, you don't think God's watching, you don't think God's paying attention, that can lead you down all sorts of paths. But if you know that God is with you, that he's for you, then that impacts your decisions, that impacts your attitudes, that impacts your actions. So as a church, I believe God God is with us. The second thing is we have big opportunities uh, before us. I think this is a part of being a new church. We have big opportunities, things that we've not done before that we can do for the first time. Things that are not yet happened that can happen. Things that we've not seen yet, but God wants to do among us, expanding us, growing us, challenging us, encouraging us. All these things are big opportunities. Now, big doesn't just mean size, but big means things that are keys to our growth as a church, seeing God come through. Because he's with us, he wants us to know that he's real. And part of the way that we know he's real is in the opportunities where we trust him, we follow him, and he comes through for us. So God is with us, and we have big opportunities before us. The third thing of this just big season is that we move with boldness in us. So there's things that's happening with, that's God. There's things that are before, that's opportunities. And then there's things that we have to choose inside of us, and that's boldness. Courage. Faith. This idea that because he is with us and he has opportunities before us, we're going to move forward with this boldness because God is leading the charge. I think one of the things that we miss today as Christ followers is boldness. We tend to be scared. We tend to cower. We tend to feel like we can't speak up for what God says. And when I say boldness, I don't mean rude. When I say boldness, I don't mean obnoxious. But what I mean is, is that we trust God and we're going to do what he says. And because we trust him and we're going to do what he says, as we step out in faith and in this boldness, God works. And he moves and he acts on our behalf. And that's how faith is. You don't know how things are going to happen. You take a step and God comes through and the fog lifts a little bit. You take another step and a little bit of the fog dissipates and you can see more clearly. And so we want to move as a church and as individuals, we want to move with this boldness. So God's with us. We have big opportunities before us. And then we want to move with boldness in us. That brings up the question. Now, all of this I, I talked about about a month ago. But here's the question. How do we make the best use of the opportunities before us. So this is where, as your individual life and as as a church, I want to kind of intersect this. But have you ever thought, what am I supposed to do with my time? Because you look back on 2019, you look ahead to 2020, this is something that we ask a lot. Like, what should I be doing? What should I be continuing to do that I've been doing? 
Or what do I need to do that I haven't been? Or what do I need to stop doing because it's not good, right? There's this continuation, there's this change, and there's just how do I just go a totally different direction? This is something that I'm asking. Like, how, how, do, I, how do I make the right choices, the right decisions? How do I buy up those opportunities that God has? How do I know they're there? What happens if I miss it? You may ask those questions as well. And as a church, it's actually the same thing. But the way you know what to do and decisions to make is based on values. Did you know that we all do what makes sense to us? You ever thought about that? You ever see somebody do something, you're like, why did they do that? That makes no sense. You ever said that? Driving in Southern California, you ever said that? The reason it doesn't make sense to you is actually not the key. The the reason is it makes sense to them. So why do people speed? Makes sense to them. Because they want to. You ever seen a kid do something? You're like, what were they thinking? Why did they eat that? I just saw a picture of a friend on his, like, their, their kid, he's like two years old, just picked up ice mud and just started eating it. That wasn't on accident. That actually made sense to that kid. That's where you're like, man, we're weird. But that made sense. All of us do things that are purposeful. There's things that you do that you don't want to do, but it makes sense to you. Why do I know? Because you did it. Everything we do makes sense to us. It doesn't mean we like it. But if you want to change, you can't focus on behavior. You want to change other people, you can't focus on behavior. It actually comes in values, what's important to you, and perspective, how you see it. Your values and your perspective, that changes your direction. That changes your behavior. Focusing on behavior doesn't change behavior. You want to change, you have to change your values, what's important to you, how you see life. So as a church, the reason we know what to to buy up and the opportunities is based on what's important to us, our values. And so I want to want to share that. Here's a definition of values. Values are shared convictions that guide our actions and reveal our strengths. If you want something different in your relationships and you've not had before, you can't just wish that into existence. Like, I want to be a more patient person. You can't just say, be more patient, be more patient, be more patient. Does that bring patience? No, you're frustrated it didn't happen quick enough. You ever notice that? Like going to the buffet, eat healthy, eat healthy, eat healthy. You know, it doesn't work. So you actually have to change what's, what's important to you. And it doesn't just come by, by wishing it. It actually comes from experiencing it. We, we don't change by ideas. We change by experience. Ideas, experience, that's when it gets into our heart. And so for you to experience patience, you actually need to get in a situation where in everything that's happening, you make a choice. In real time. And you see how patience is a blessing to people. Then it becomes real to you. The same as people do that to you. So these shared convictions that guide our actions and reveal our strength, that's value. So I want to just share our values as a church. I'm going to go through here kind of quickly. First thing is cohesive, we team together. So one of our values as a church is we want to be cohesive. The reason I bring this up is when we talk about our kairos and our season of opportunity, we always have opportunity for us to grow as a team, as a cohesive group. I'm going to talk about this today. 
The second value we have as a church is we want to be proactive, meaning we have a can-do attitude. So our season of opportunity as a church is there's going to be lots of things that require a can-do. Now, that sounds great, but for you to have a can-do most of the time means you're going to be in situations where you cannot. That's when that value becomes real. Not when everything's easy, but when everything's hard. So I'm going to talk about this today as well. So cohesive, proactive, the third value we have as a church is we want to be welcoming. We want people to feel welcome and included. These are our values. These values guide our decisions and our actions. And then the fourth is expansion. We want to help multiply churches and ministries. So welcoming and expansion, these two values I'm going to talk about our kairos, our season of opportunity to buy those up next week. Today, I want to talk about these two, cohesive and proactive. Now, if you're following along, you'll see there's a handout. And I encourage you to do that. You want to take notes, it's helpful to see. And I'm going to just kind of move through this. If not, you can also look up here uh, on the PowerPoint. But the first thing is I want to talk about is this idea of let's be bold. Do we want to move with boldness in us? Let's be bold as we team together. Let's be bold as we're a cohesive group. Now, here's the deal. We don't, we don't talk about this much, but we are actually created to be in community. That's how God made us. We live in a world where we don't really believe that to be true. So we each can be in our own world. We can be on our phones, in social media. We can be so connected to hundreds and hundreds of people but disconnected from real relationship. We can be at work with lots of coworkers, but never connect and we're alone. We can even be at church around lots of people, but not connected and we're alone. We can live in a neighborhood with lots of people, disconnected and, good job guys, and alone, right? We know this, we know the drill. So it's not just being around people, but it's this actual engagement in relationships. We were meant to be in community, not just near people, but with them, engage with them, catching up with them, encouraging them. This is the life God intended. So always as a church, we have to be moving to how can we grow our community? How can we grow our relationships with one another? The reason I bring this up is I think one of the biggest challenges we face in life is being isolated. In fact, when we're isolated, I think we just lessen so much joy in life. Now, when we're alone, life is easier, right? Because if you're alone, where do you want to eat? Wherever you want. What do you want to do? Whatever you want. Where do you go? Wherever you want. Doesn't that sound like, oh, yes. Yes. That's my next step today. Hear me out. (laughs) It's easier But there's no joy there because we're not meant to be alone. That's not how God made us. He made us for community. And so this isolation and that feeling of isolation, it's actually crippling. It's crippling. The reason I bring this up is as a church, we have this unique opportunity to team together. And as we team together and people come and see a team of people, they're going to see a picture of something that they want. They may not verbalize that. They may not even be able to get that into a phrase. But they see a group of people together, 
that love each other, that want to be around each other, and you're giving them a picture of a vision of what they want. That is a unique kairos season of opportunity that people are like, wow, I want that. That's what we get to do as a church. Check out the scripture, Ecclesiastes. You may have read this before, but it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. I want to start at the end there. Notice the last part, but pity. Pity the man who falls and has no one. It's basically pity the lonely person, pity the isolated person, pity the person that all they have is themselves. That, that word pity is this idea of it's just, it's a loss. It's a shame. There's nothing of value for that person. They're completely alone. And then the front part of the verse is saying that this, there's this two is better. There's this multiple, there's this work that happens when people come together that's compounding. And it's using first labor. And we, we know that. It's, it's actually, you get more done when there's more people. Now, for some of us, like, we believe that. But how many of you kind of like, it's easier if I just do it my setting up Christmas decorations. Some of you taking them down, you'd be like, I don't know what the pastor's talking about, but one is better than two. Right? Because we can fumble, we get in each other's way. But there's a sense like really when we're doing work, if you have two people, there's more strength. And it's multiplied. It's not just one plus one is two. It's like one plus two is three. It's like there's more. It's a multiple factor that, that God does when people come together. There's an effectiveness. So the writer is saying that there, there's this good return for their work. Two's better than one. Two is better than the isolated person, than the lonely person, the one that's by themselves. The second part is encouragement. Like when you fall, you have somebody to help you up. Now this is using just this like visual. Like if you're working and you're by yourself, you're chopping wood, you have somebody that's chopping wood with you, you get twice at least the work done. And then if you fall down and you're by yourself and you can't get up, you've got somebody to help you. So all this is just bringing this image, like we know this to be true. But even though we know that to be true, there's still this pull that we have to be isolated. So see if you've recognized some of these emotions in yourself. You just don't really want to hang out with people. You may not want to come to church. You may just want to be by yourself. You want to be alone. You're kind of upset. You're kind of sad. There's all these emotions, and you just think, I don't want people to see that. All of this is real. And here's the thing. If you are isolated in your life, you're not effective. And not only are you not effective, but you're not experiencing life as God intends. And so when we move away from isolation and we grow as a team and we actually are intentional with each other in our relationship, specifically here at Ridgeview Church, we're tapping into something that's so powerful. Because again, it's what people long for, but they may not even know it. So this teaming together and moving with boldness is, is so important. Check out this scripture in First Peter 4. It says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So Ecclesiastes was general in community, this idea of when you're alone, you're not as effective, you don't have encouragement, and it, there's just a loss of joy. 
This is actually speaking specifically to the church. Now, when you decide to follow Christ, you become a Christian, God actually gives you spiritual gifts. It could be one, it could be more than one. But it's specific gifts that he gives to you as his follower. And when you decide to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And you have the strength and power to change, make different decisions. That's why following Christ makes all the difference. Without following Jesus, you don't have the strength and the power to change. You can fix things, but they always divert back. You can make progress, but you just feel like you're going up a hill with mud on it. You just can't really get the traction. When you follow Jesus, you actually get power. Not only that, but God lives inside of you, and you can actually make a difference in the world. That's why being a Christian is the greatest adventure that you can be a part of, because you have a God who's with us that gives boldness in us. And he gives us opportunities. So this is speaking specifically to this responsibility that we have. Now notice, he says, you should use whatever gift you've received. Now, this isn't exhaustive, but in 1 Corinthians 12 and then Romans 11, some of these are, are teaching, mercy, giving, administration, encouragement, exhortation, faith, serving. Like you have been given a gift to serve people. Or you've been given a gift of faith. When other people don't see it happening, you know God will come through. God's given you that gift. And you got it when you decided to follow Jesus. That's what's so amazing. We don't talk about this that much. But God has made you uniquely. He's given you a unique personality, a unique wiring, experiences, strengths, and weaknesses, and also spiritual gifts when you decide to follow him. Now, notice what this passage is saying. So you've been given this gift. It's assumed. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to what? To serve others. Season of opportunity. How can you serve others? You serve others when there's others to serve. You can't serve others in isolation. You serve others when you're with others. And there are needs and there's opportunities that people have that you can only do for a window of time and then it's gone. And God wants us as a church to serve each other using the gifts that he has given us. And so the purpose of these gifts is to strengthen the faith of others. That's a unique opportunity in time. God has given us these gifts when you decide to follow him that's used to strengthen. Now, in this passage, there's another point of our gifts. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So Romans 1, we've been given these gifts to strengthen the faith of others. There's people that are discouraged. There's people that are disappointed. There are people that are overwhelmed. And God wants to put you in their path at just the right time to strengthen them. Don't give up. God is with you. I love you. I'm for you. If anyone has done that in your life, you know what a difference that makes. And then in here, Peter is saying, not only that, to strengthen, but you are a part of administering, of distributing God's grace to people. Is that crazy or what? To think that God's put us in a role when you decide to follow him, that you get grace given to you, poured out to you, and you can hand it and say, here you go. Here's some of God's grace. And I give you that by what I say. I can give you that by my outlook, my attitude, by the words by my actions, but I can administer it. I'm distributing it to you. 
This grace is the currency in God's family. Time is opportunity and grace is the currency. And he wants each of us to give this grace to each other. This is so motivating to me because you realize that there's just people that are facing things you have no idea about and you cross their path and God puts you there at the right time to give grace to them. What an amazing opportunity to be a part of what God wants to do. Again, we, we just think like God's distant or he's not involved. He is involved. He's involved through us daily, weekly, monthly, annually. He wants to, to use us. And so to faithfully minister, it's like, how can, I, how can I strengthen someone? How can I extend grace to them? The reason this is a unique opportunity is when I wake up, you know what I'm thinking about most of the time? Me. What am I going to do? How's somebody going to impact me? Me, me, me. Anyone relate to that? Just say me. That'd make me feel better. Right? We, we all tend to do this. We think about me. I mean, not me, you. Right? That's, that's natural. But when you decide to follow Christ, you, you, you have the power to actually push against that selfishness. And with God's help, you can be a blessing to others. So God wants us to be this cohesive group. So here's kind of the statement that I'd like to be true of us as a church. We're cohesive and we refuse isolation. Refuse means fight against it. Refuse means when the feeling comes, we push through it. When that feeling comes, I want to hold back. When that feeling comes, I want to hold back. When that feeling comes, I want to draw away. We ignore that. We push through with boldness because God's given us opportunity to love and to give grace to people. And he wants that to happen here in this church. He wants that to happen in our neighbors, neighborhoods, in our workplaces. And so here's some practical ways that you can do this. Uh, exploring Ridgeview, this is our, our membership class. If, if you want to learn more about how to become a member of Ridgeview, what that means is commitment. If you want to formally commit to this as a church, we have a class, a preview class coming up on January 12th. You can sign up for that. That's a practical step. I want to be a part of this team. Well, how do I do that? I make a step of commitment. To be part of a team means commitment, time, resources, energy, grace, distributing, all that stuff that I've been talking about. So that might be a step you need to take. A second step is you could join a serve team here. How, how can I help? How can I be involved? Every week there's people that are working before and after church behind the scenes to make this happen. They actually are part of administering God's grace to us. Because when we come and we drink coffee, isn't that like God's grace? God's good, right? People are doing this. And they're doing this out of love. They're serving God and they're serving us. That's administering God's grace. So a serve team, that could be part of our hospitality team. That could be part of our welcoming team. Helping in kids zone. Teaching the next generation what it means to follow God. All of these things. We need people to step up and say, I want to be committed. I want to help this church. So that's a way that you can be a part of the team. Cohesive. The, net, the third thing is, is take initiative with someone. This is what I've been telling our crew from the beginning. This is what I want Ridgeview Church to be. I want us to be the initiators. What does that mean? You can't wait for people to initiate with you. 
Isn't that so depressing? Do you know how many times we feel like that? Well, there. Why hasn't they said it to me? They didn't approach me. They didn't ask me. They didn't follow up with me. Again, what's the focus? Me. If you decide that you're going to be the initiator, then what do you do? You initiate. If you're the initiator, what do you do? You initiate. And then what do you do the next time? You initiate. And then what do you do the next time? You This is getting really depressing, right? Now, in a healthy relationship, they should initiate as well. But as soon as you expect it and they don't do it, you're now disappointed. And that disappointment, that kills cohesion. Because we had expectations for them that they didn't fulfill. We have expectations for people we didn't even know. How do you know? Because you're disappointed. You want to know expectations you have for somebody? Check your disappointment. So if you decide, I am the initiator... What will you always do? Initiate. Don't wait. Don't wait for them. Initiate. Be an initiator. See what God does through you as you decide, I'm going to administer God's grace in its various forms. I'm going to initiate people. Another way you could be a part of the team is attend church regularly. Be here. It's very hard to get grace administered to you when you're not here. Come to church. I'm not going to lie. I didn't really want to come to church today. That wouldn't have gone well. <laughs> but you have those Sundays where you don't want to go to church? Yes. I wanted to be at home in my comfy pants. It's that time of year. But fight that and come. Check back with people, people that talk to you. They share something. Initiate back with them. How'd that go? How are you feeling? They're sick. Check back with them. Text them. Get people's phone numbers. Not in like a weird way. You know what I'm saying? But you ever thought, oh, I should have done You ever thought that? I should have done that. Oh, I should have done that. I should have done Do it. Just do it. How do you do it? You have to think about it. That means you actually have to prepare yourself. So check back with people. And here's the thing. This is for you men. Don't check out. You know what I'm saying? Women, I don't have to talk to you about being relational. You love that. For the most part, you women, you're, there's a relationship to everything. Sometimes I talk to my wife and she explains something that she's thinking about. And she's taking this relationship to this person, this situation. She's tying to this thing and that thing. And I'm just following her. And I, and I just say, babe, I, I wasn't stressed out, but I'm stressed out now. <laughs> like, I know the burdens you bear. Not even, but I'm hearing you. And I, like, I, I shut down emotionally. Men, we do that. Because, you know, we're, we're not relational in the same way. We're tasked. Like, just give us a problem, we'll solve it. Give us something to do, we'll do it. So what happens is when things kind of just, people get needy and there's things going on as dudes, we're like, <laughs> we'll let the women do that. Here's the thing. Men, God's given us a role to take initiative. God's given us a role to sacrifice. You need to do that. If you're married, you need to do that with your wife. You need to take initiative with her. You need to sacrifice for her. If you have kids, you need to do that with your kids. 
if you do that, you will grow the team of your family. Second thing, as a church, we need you men to step up to initiate with people. Men, they, men, we actually like isolating ourselves. Women, if you're like, man, is he checked out? Yes, he is. He's in his cave, and he doesn't want you to follow him in there. It's like, get out. I'm hibernating. That's what we do. Here's the thing. Women, it's very hard for you to get your husband, your dad, whoever it is, out of the cave. What get men out of the cave is men. We don't talk about that. Men get men out of the cave. Men call men forward. Women can't call men forward. It doesn't happen. So men, step up, take initiative, and see God use you. That wasn't even on my script. I didn't even know where that came from, but I just got fired up. All right. How am I doing for time? Okay, we're good. Kind of. All right. Second thing. So let's be cohesive as we team together. Let's be bold as we do that. Here's the second thing. Let's be bold as we trust God with the unknown. Now, this thing that I'm going to talk about, I'm going to go through this briefly. This is one of those things where it's easy to say it's very hard to do. The unknown. These are things that we have no idea how it's going to work out. You all have them right now. So what I want you to do, take 15 seconds, and I want you just to think, what are the things unknown in your life right now that are burdening you with your job, with your finances, with your marriage, with your kids, with your future, with your past? What, what are things that are unknown to you now that are burdens? Just think about that for 15 seconds. something i do i have lots of things just unknown i just i just don't know how it's gonna go don't know how it's gonna work out things with my kids i wonder about things with the church i wonder about things in my own life i wonder about why it's unknown here's what happens just like that pull of isolation is real and it's crippling there's another thing that cripples us in life that causes us to miss opportunities and it's fear Fear is so crippling. There's isolation and there's fear. It's like this two punch that knocks you out and it takes you out and it leaves you ineffective. And as a church, if we give in isolation and if we give in fear, we're going to miss what God has. I want to read this scripture to you from Hebrews. This is talking to people who follow Christ, the confidence of following him, the assurance of salvation in him, that he saved us from our sins. Says to do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. I want to stop right here real quick. This is talking about those times, if you're a Christ follower, where you're wondering, is this worth it? The Bible actually speaks to that. It knows that we face those times where we think, man, there's so much cost. There's pain. There's hurt. It's just not been fixed. I still deal with stress. I still deal with isolation. I still deal with fear.
fear. It's still there. What the writer is saying is that's it's okay to feel that. We all will feel that. But again, like I started, just because you feel it doesn't mean it's true. Because you have this thought doesn't mean it's true. You have to filter it. And so the writer is, is identifying, like, we can throw away what's important to us in a moment because we give up. What he's saying is do not give up. Don't throw away your confidence. God is with you, and he's for you, and he's going to come through. And then it goes on in 38. So here's the comparison. We don't throw up. We don't give up. But my righteous one will live by faith. The opposite of fear is always faith. You want to know what it means to follow Christ? You can't go around faith. You go through it. You will not have all the answers. You have to trust God with your life. That's what faith is. The opposite of that is fear. You just give into it. You're overwhelmed by it. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. That word shrink back is you shy away from, you keep silent, you withdraw. When we face the unknown in our life, things that we're fearful of, our future, our health, conflict, our finances, all the things that overwhelm us, when we shrink back, if we withdraw, if we check out, if we shy away from, we miss the opportunity to trust God to come through for us. And instead, we actually, it says you need to persevere in 36. It's you stand up under the pressure. We all have pressure of the unknown. You stand under it. You don't bail. The shrinking back is under the pressure, you're just like a turtle who just goes inside. Okay, can't see it. It's not there. But God has given us faith, so we move forward. We're not people that shrink back. We're people that, that, that move forward. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. All of us are going to be facing things in the next few weeks, the next few months, this next year in 2020, that you have no idea how it's going to work out. I don't have any idea how it's going to work out. Nobody does, except God. And the way God grows our faith and makes us stronger is he leads us through the unknown. He leads us through the fog. Because in the fog, we realize we can't trust ourselves. We don't have the answers. We can't make sense out of it. All we can do is turn from our ability and our competence, and we say to God, God, I cannot do this myself. And here's what I'm excited about. There's things like right now as a church that we're facing the unknown that I have no idea how it's going to work out. And on one side, that gives me great pause, like, oh, this is going to be crazy. And on the other, it's like, what is God going to do as we trust him? And as a church, our season of opportunity is we do not want to be people who shrink back. We want to be people who move forward in endurance, knowing God will come through. I don't want to give up on God's promises. I don't want to bail because it gets tough. Everyone does that. I want us to be a church and a community that, man, we rally together knowing 
It's not about us and what we can do, but it's about what God can do through us. That's a big difference. God wants to use us. Doing life God's way is not easy. Planting a church is not easy. Following God in this culture is not easy. But we're not people that shrink back. We move forward in faith. And so we we turn away from fear and we move forward knowing that God's going to come through. So here's the statement that summarizes this. We're proactive and we refuse fear. Refuse it. When it comes, we acknowledge it, but we don't own it. We know it's there, but we don't chew on it. We see it and we refuse it. Now some of you You've battled fear your whole life. God wants to really help you. He wants to give you victory there. For others of you, you're going to face fear this next year that you've never faced before. God wants to help you. He wants to give victory to you as well. So both of these things, that refusing isolation and being cohesive, teaming together, God will use us as a church to do that. And secondly, if, if we're proactive and we refuse fear, we have this can-do attitude, God's going to come through, he will use us. Here's some practical ways to be uh, proactive. Pray. Now, that were you like, uh, really? <laughs> that's it? If that, that's, when you battle fear, you pray first. That's what you have to do. You pray, and then you use God's word, the truth. That's like swinging the sword. A lie comes. And it's filled of fear and all the unknown. And you swing the sword of truth, God's word. The reason you have something to swing is because you know God's word. The way you know God's word is you have to read it. So that's something that we want to help you do is we want you to get into God's word in your life. So you have truth to battle the lies and to battle fear. So you got to pray. And the second thing is you choose faith when fear comes. When I say choose faith, this isn't like magical Disney fairy dust. Choosing faith is this, God, I need you right now. I'm overwhelmed with the unknown. I don't know what's going to happen. The faith move is this, but I know that you are with me. And I know that you're going to help me. And I don't have to shrink back. That's what faith is. God is with me. He's for me. And he's going to lead me forward. He's with us. He's for us. And he's going to lead us forward. That's what faith is. Another practical way is you just want to memorize scripture. That's where you swing the truth. That sword, you memorize it. Because oftentimes fear comes when you're driving. Fear comes at work when you're facing your boss. Fear comes when you're looking at your bank account at the end of the month. You've got to know God's word and you, you use that. So you might just want to memorize this verse in Hebrews, which I gave you. It's written on your handout. Just memorize that. Some other can-do things to be proactive. These are just some things that I thought of this morning in my own life. There's some things that God may want to change in you. You know, habits. Maybe just some things that you kind of just let get out of hand in your life. Some people may know about them. There may be people that don't know anything about them. But there may be some things that God wants to do to change you. And you got to be proactive. Like, I can change. God, with his power, I can change. Again, that, that feeling of fear, 
can't change. It's always going to be the same. You have to fight that with the truth. Some ways to be proactive as a church, like God wants us to share our faith with others. We can be proactive in that. Have you, do you the type of person where, like, there's an opportunity, but you kind of take the excuses from them that they've not given you, and that prevents you from doing something? You ever do that? Like, where you already know what they're going to do or say, so I'm not going to do it, because I already know. You ever do that? How do you know? Well, I, you know, by how do you know? You're here. You got invited. And you came. There's so many people that are just waiting. I wish somebody would initiate with me. Well, guess what? We're the initiators. So don't speak for them. Let them speak for them. That actually goes really well in life. So you're sharing faith, keeping inviting, and then just staying engaged. These are all things that, that can't, I'm, I'm going to stay engaged. I'm going to keep pushing through. I'm not going to withdraw. I'm not going to check out. I'm going to stay engaged. I'm going to do some next steps, just some practical things as I wrap up. Uh, every week we do this, and on the connection card, there's a box that says next step, and there's some blanks. The idea is that you just write your next step. And every week I get this, and I pray for all those people in their next steps. And if you have prayer requests on the lines, you can write that, but... I encourage you to take a next step. So here's the first one. This is that moving towards cohesion and teaming together. Team with Ridgeview, bye. And here's some suggestions. You could sign up for Exploring Ridgeview. You could join a serve team. Or you could take initiative with somebody. So what you do is just write the next step you want to take. Exploring Ridgeview, serve team, initiative. And I'll follow up with you and I will pray for you. The second next step is be proactive in prayer every day uh, this week. And there's some specific Ridgeview prayers, but here's the thing. There's things that are unknown in your life that you just need to begin to pray for. You just need to list those down. Just write them down. Here's what I'm overwhelmed by. Here's what I'm fearful about. And just get it down on paper so you can like remove it out of the fog and the swirl of your head. I need to pray for this. I need to pray for that. I need to pray for that. Every day pray for those things. And I want to ask you to pray for some specific things for us as a church. Um, The first thing, as you can see right here, please pray specifically, sorry, a space for us to grow. This is one of our Kairos season of opportunity as a church, and I've shared this with you guys before. We're out of kid space here. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. But we're out of kid space. (laughs) And so we need more space. I have no idea where that is. I've been looking. I've been praying. But we don't have kids' space right now. We have one classroom, and we filled it. And then we have our boys that are in an easy up out on the playground with heaters. But what's happening is we're still growing. And God's growing us and bringing more families. We're getting to the point where, like, we just we need more space. This is part of our kairos, our season of opportunity. We need space to grow, but we don't have it. It's easy to give in to fear of that. What's our plan? What are we going to do? I don't know. You know, but God's going to come through because he's with us. But could you guys pray? As a church, if you could join me in praying 
that he will provide space. I really believe this is going to be a key point to us continuing to grow. Once you run out of space with kids or your parking or your worship center, you stop growing. And I want us to continue to grow so we can reach more people. And so please, please pray for that. The second is volunteers and staff as we expand. As we expand and as we grow, we need more people to help us. And so if you could pray for more people to step up to serve, and also, we need some staff that can come alongside me to help build out Ridgeview. I don't know who that is. I don't know how God's going to come through with that. But I believe he will. And so could you join me in praying for that? And then the third, if you could pray for boldness for us as a church, that, that we will be people that take initiative and do not shrink back. That's the kind of church that I think God wants us to be. So if you could pray for these things specifically this next week, I'd really appreciate it. And if you could pray for the things in your life that are overwhelming you, and if you write down prayer requests, I will pray for you this next week as well. If you're facing some unknowns, things that are overwhelming you, please write that down. I'd love to pray for you. I'm out of time. I'm so glad you guys were here. I am really excited to see what God does in our church. We're the beginning part of this story that God wants to tell, and it's not been written yet, and the story's being told in the lives of all of us who are here. And so it's a great time to be a part of our church, and it's a great time to invite others to join us. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God for help and guidance. The band's going to come up, lead us in another song. We're going to receive our offering. Drop your connection card in there, any prayer requests that you have, and, and I will pray for you. One last thing before the offering comes around. This is the last Sunday of the year, as you know. And I just wanted to thank all of you who've given to Ridgeview Church this past year. Just out of your generosity and your willingness to give, you've enabled us to do things as a church we could not do without your giving. And I just want to thank you for that. You guys have made such a difference. And it's such a blessing to see God work through us as we sacrifice to extend his kingdom. So thank you for all of you who've given. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the way that you tell time. And we actually don't have to be late. We can be right in the center of the season of opportunity that you have. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. I praise your name for the lives changed this past year. I praise your name for the community that you're building here. Thank you for all the people who've given to move our church forward. Thank you for all the people that have served to sacrifice, to bless others, and to administer your grace. God, there's things that are unknown for us. We need more space. We need more volunteers and more staff to help us build us just this church out as we expand. But we know that you will provide. So we ask, God, that you'll lead us to a space where we can grow in our kids' ministry and grow as a church. We know that you'll draw the people that you want to be a part of this church. So we thank you for the work that you're doing in real time. And to be a part 
this adventure of following you. We praise your holy name and we thank you for your son and it's in his name that we pray.